This is Adam Lippi, writer, editor, publisher of RegrettableSincerity.com, and this is a 10-minute excerpt of a Q&A that uh, M. Night Shyamalan did after a screening of Unbreakable last October at the Philadelphia Film Festival. While M. Night was miked, the crowd wasn't, so the very first question you can't hear at all, so I'm just going to tell you what was said, and it'll make sense considering the answer. So the question was, what is the significance of water in your films? So please enjoy the next 10 minutes. I, I guess water represents some kind of you know mystical thing to me. I mean, probably in our in our Hindu culture, there's a lot of references to that. I don't know where it got pegged in my head, but something about it, it, it it's it's so supernatural to me. The way the way it moves, the way it looks, you're we're swimming in the ocean, and how tiny you feel. All of it, just there's some like force there for me. And I, so immediately when I'm thinking of a metaphorical thing, it always goes that way. The childhood thing, why why the kids are always important to me. I think you know. There's this moment in, in like 10 to 12 years old where you stop believing in things and you get real. And for me, that's a tragic moment. And, and so these are all about suspending that moment and stopping that and going, no, 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 you're thinking about it correctly. We got it all wrong. And you know, and 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 that's in that in that way that it, I just keep telling that story over and over and over again to keep staying back myself at 10 to 12 years the way I, way I felt. I mean, literally, I believed in everything and, uh, at, at 10 to 12 years old. I mean, uh, I could convince myself of anything. There's a witch in the next room, there's whatever, you, you name it. I, I was 100% certain. I thought if I worked hard enough, I, I, seriously, if I worked hard enough, I could become a Jedi. That was literally, <laughs> I was dead serious. I'm like, I know nobody understands this, but this is real stuff. Uh, I mean, I, I, I felt that way for real. I mean, I was the guy with my cousin saying, you know, if we concentrate on this cup, and I still believe this, by the way, we can make this move. And literally, I, you know, I'd have them all staring there, and they'd be like, can we stop? No! Um, so just trying to hold that moment as long as possible. Uh, I heard you mention your, your daughter. Uh, I have my, my wife's here. I have a, I have a little boy. Uh, I just wondered if you had any tips uh, for young filmmakers You know, I, you know, I, I guess I, I never allowed myself to think of any other scenario. Uh, you know, filmmaking is, you know, generally speaking, the, the, the least family-friendly job you could have. I mean, even athletes are home half the time, you know? And uh, so, you know, I, I guess I used writing to get power and say, you know, you know, what happened was I, you know, I was, you, you know, I had made two movies before Six Ends, and they both failed miserably. And that was, you know, I did one at 21, and it failed miserably. I, you know, I, it was in like a movie theater for three movie theaters for five weeks, and it was at the, I remember it was at the Ritz East, and I was trying to hand out flyers with my wife, and it was raining, and I tried to come in, and the manager was like, "Get outside! You can't hand out flyers out here." And I'm like, "I'm gonna get in one day." <laughs> and and, uh, um, and and you know that film failed and. And then the next film, for Miramax, failed as well. You know, the first movie made twenty-five thousand. The next one made two hundred fifty thousand. So, you know, not a good track record for me. But it was—I had learned a lot, and I basically got steeled, I think, at that from those two losses um, and the six years that went. You know, like it came out like, you know, 
ready, you know, like I felt like you could not hurt me. And so I wrote this screenplay and I go, we're selling this for a million, million dollars. That's what I wrote to my agents. And I go, it, they can't even read it unless they agree to that price. I don't want to hear anything about it and I'm directing it. Literally, I was like that and I just started making a sandwich. That was it. It was like, that's it. We're not having a conversation. And it went out and half the studios immediately passed and then the other half started bidding and, and we got, you know, three million dollars for it. And it was one of those things of, I just wasn't considering any other option. We're going to do it. We're going to shoot it in Philly. It's going to be in, in, the, in, the, in the contracts. That's it. You know what? And you know what? The funny thing is, in, in our field, and as a filmmaker, they want leaders. They want someone with a vision. And it, you'll find somebody to back you with the, the clarity. Not, not um, cockiness, but confidence. You know? And it's a clarity of this is the way we're going to do it. And I'll, I literally said, we're going to shelve this script. If I don't get what I want, I'll write something else. We're going to show it. That was six cents. And, you know, that kind of commitment to it, you know, that you, you just, there's no wiggle room here. You can't, nobody hears it in your voice. There's nothing there. There's no like, well, if you pay me enough, maybe I'll, you know, I can leave my family for a little bit. And so in that same way, you know, we, when I was offered the first Harry Potter, you know, the, we had a conversation about whether we should go to London, you know, or not. You know, it's going to be, it's a, it's, a, it's a British book. And, um, we talked about it, and you know, there's a lot of decisions you make for or against it. And you know, for me, ironically, as always, whenever you have a, a, a real clean point of view in life, whenever your voice is very strong, you become incredibly powerful. What it doesn't matter what field you're in, that becomes incredibly powerful if they hear your voice and you go, "This is why I'm I'm Philly, I got family. We're gonna we're gonna do it this way, okay? And and whatever we can achieve that way, that's the way we're gonna do it." And then it suddenly starts. Person, your writing has a different flavor from everything that they're reading because you're not from that pool. You don't you don't hang out with them at lunch. We don't talk about this actress or this thing or what they're looking for. I don't know, you know, and I don't care. You know, I wanted to make a comic book movie before they were ready to make comic book movies. You know, and so maybe it missed. And I believe that Unbreakable today, the tone of it would go through the roof. You know, like with Inception and the way that you know with Dark Knight, it's so you know everything is leaning edgy and dark now. And I believe this tone is actually better now than it was when it opened for the for the heat in the sweet spot. So you let it go, you know, and you make your, your choices. And it's been it's been a, a great great ride because everything has felt so pure. Like I I literally like I look at my shelf with the movies and they feel like so so me so personal, you know. I don't think anybody understands it. It's not a job. My kids always I always say I don't have a job, you know. My I, I guess the only thing they pay me for is to sell the movies, like do the talk shows and all that stuff, but. I'm making movies. That's definitely not a job. So I would, you know, be, you know, the more specific. Like I was talking. I know I'm going to go on just a, a tad longer. This, this subject's obviously very important to me. I, I was, you know, I taught once in a writing class, and I was saying to them, you know, I said I'm I'm the highest paid writer in the world, word for word. And I go, how did that happen? And the kids were all like, I did that to grab their attention. So then they're all awake and they're all looking at me, and they were like. They raised their hand, luck, and I said, yes, for sure, keep going, keep going. And they were like, they came up with different answers, and I said, you know, I said, the answer is, I said, I'm not even, I wasn't even the best in writing in my writing class in high school. How did this happen? I know no one in the family is in, in business, right? No one, I live 3,000 miles away from everything. I'm definitely not the smartest. I'm not the best writer, so how did this happen? And, and, and uh, I go, there is, I thought about it, and I said, I think I have a reason. And, and I said, I'm just more me than they are them. That's just the bottom line, you know? I'm willing to show you every negative and positive, completely open about how I'm feeling. 
he feels depressed because I was feeling depressed. When he wakes up in the morning, he feels sadness. That's me. You know, I would, that's what I was feeling. In science, they're telling the stories of my kids being born. You know, it's just me. This is how I am. I cry at extreme home makeover. That's me. <laughs> you know, and I know the critics are going to rail me for that side of me. That's me. I'm also really edgy. I'm also in a basketball court. You don't want to mess with me. You know, I'm that guy too. You know, all those sides. And so I put that guy on paper without any editing every single time. And it pops. It pops right through. And I said to those kids, I said, you have an advantage. Don't try to write like me. I'll beat you. Don't try to write like, oh, an action movie. And I said, you know something. And those kids in, in particular, I was like, you just heard the principal. I couldn't hear what he was saying on that speaker because your speaker's messed up. That's something you know, you feel specifically that you can beat me with. I, I can't beat you, you know? And so the more specific you can be with your whatever, the, you know, the things you're, you're living with your wife and your daughter and all, it's, it's exactly your weapon. So don't run from it. That is your weapon. Last one. I got two questions. Hey. First one is the obvious one. Why did you show the alien at the end of science? Uh, uh, well, you know, that's funny. I wrote it for, you know, and when you read the screenplay of Signs, it was, it, it was mimicking its background, so you couldn't really see it. It was camouflaged the whole time. And so, you know, as I wrote it, you see, like, the little boy hanging in the air. And at that time, we couldn't do it. ILM couldn't do that. It looked like glass. It looked like, you know, it just didn't look like a, a lizard or an octopus who was mimicking its background. Um, it was very tricky to get texture at that time. I, we probably could pull it off now. So it was one of those things that, that we tried. We literally doubled the CGI budget and kept on going. It was, it was a struggle uh, to do what I had in my head. All right, well, the more important question is, was uh, Elijah's mother in on the whole thing? You know, you know she, 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 she wasn't. I just wonder whether she would be uh, all that upset. <laughs> <laughs> She played it with such dignity, you know, that he found his place. Uh, you know, I had toyed with the idea of her being in on it, but in my mind, she, she wasn't in on it. She was just uh, proud of her. Yeah, she seemed like she would, like, do anything to help her. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a couple other scenes with her and the kid that I couldn't put in that are phenomenal. He goes on a, uh, a Ferris wheel yeah. ride, sneaks away from her, and, and he gets slammed around in the Ferris wheel and breaks his bones. It's really... <laughs> oh, thank you, guys.